1: tangentially speakers my name is thomas i spent the last two years driving around america in my van
2: rock climbing surfing meeting cool people and now i find myself back home in jacksonville where my tight-knit italian family all lives on the same road Um, spending some time with my grandparents before the dementia really kicks in and they start forgetting everything listening to their old stories I just got a job working for Tesla,
1: selling cars, so a big change of pace from being a raft guy, but just wanna let you know what I'm up to in life.
3: Well, thank you, Thomas. I hope things are going all right and your grandparents hold on for a while uh, before they descend into dementia. Hope I hold on for a while. Hope we all hold on for a while. Hold on everybody, shit's getting crazy. I've been saying that for years. But it's been accurate for years. Holy shit. It's November 2nd. Uh, There's an election coming up in a week. Uh, An election that may well signal the end of anything that even looks like democracy in America. Could be one of the last elections. Now, I know American elections, at least at the national level, are sort of just rearranging turds in a punch bowl. Um, I don't know one analogy that I think of often is like one party is a shit sandwich and the other party is a glass of warm piss. And we're supposed to feel grateful that we get to pick the glass of warm piss. Um, and every once in a while people say, fuck that piss. I'm so tired of drinking that warm piss. I'm going to eat the shit sandwich. And I kind of feel like that's what, uh, I think I've said that before, but that's what the protest votes are. You know, the protest votes are like, you're not giving us a real choice. This is bullshit. This is a this is a farce, these elections. Now, on a local level, I don't think that's true. On a local level, there are differences, and it does matter. But at a certain point, you say, okay, Kamala Harris is the vice president? Really? So what, Kamala Harris is going to be running next time? Nobody likes Kamala Harris. She got less than 1% of the vote in the primaries when she ran. Nobody's into her. Why the hell is she anywhere near being in charge? That's not democracy. So I don't know. It's weird. I mean, on the one side, you look at it and you say, ah, this is a tragedy. This is, you know, I'm freaking out. I got to freak out like MSNBC tells me I should. But then you take a step back and you say, well, what am I freaking out about? What are we losing here? We're losing something that kind of vaguely sometimes look like representative government, but affected by the Electoral College, affected by two senators in every state, even though Wyoming has, you know, whatever, a 50th of the population of California, they have the same number of senators. So the fuckheads in Wyoming get to decide whether abortion's legal in this country or not. Yeah, that's not representative. One man, one vote. One person, one vote. Yeah, not if you live in Wyoming, you get 50 votes. I don't know. Maybe we should just like get a whole bunch like burning man should be held in Wyoming and everyone should stay there and register and vote in the next election. How about that? That would shift the entire state of Wyoming over to the other side. But what is the other side? The other side is just watered down bullshit corporate control. Just like. uh, Anyway. I don't know whether that makes me more relaxed or less relaxed. (laughs) <laughs> to think of it that way, that's pretty strange. I'm reading this book. I think I mentioned in the last episode. Obviously, I haven't made much progress. I've been driving everywhere. By the way, I'm coming to you from Kanab, Utah. Really interesting little town, where all sorts of Western movies and TV shows were filmed. Gunsmoke for you oldsters out there who remember Gunsmoke. The Outlaw Josie Wales, one of Clint Eastwood's more compelling performances. Uh, It's like Red Rock Canyons, and it's beautiful, really beautiful place. Anyway, here for another day or two. Then driving to Crestone and uh, moving into our rental where we'll be uh, at least through the winter looking for something more long-term. Looking for some stability, which I guess is what happens when you've been on the road for a year as we have. Um, anyway, what the hell was I talking about? Oh, oh, the book, um, Apocalyptic Planet, it's called. It's really, really good. And it sort of does this same perspective shift uh, that I was talking about with American politics, but it does it with the environmental crisis, um, climate change. So the book is about the times in the past, in the sort of geologic past, the the planetary past, where the shit has hit the fan, um, either because of a giant volcanic explosion or because the entire planet was covered in ice or um, asteroid or meteor, I forget. Asteroids and meters are the same thing, but one of them hit the planet and one of them don't. So I don't remember. Whichever one hits the planet, massive extinction events because of that, like the one in the Yucatan. Um, Crazy shit that's happened and that will continue to happen because we live on a living, changing, volatile planet uh, with a very thin crust over a surging seething molten liquid core i mean we are you know we're we are under the impression that there is this delicate balance the environment you know if we don't fuck with it the environment is this stable moderate comfortable place but in fact when you read this book by craig childs you see that no it's there's nothing stable about the the environment there's nothing stable about earth's atmosphere carbon goes way up goes way down temperatures change abruptly ice ages come and go the the glaciers reach all the way down through france almost to the pyrenees i believe or to the pyrenees Uh, If you're looking at that from North America, you're talking about glaciers coming down well past the Great Lakes. So forget about your Minnesota, your Michigan, your Wisconsin, your Maine, your New England. That's all under a mile of ice. And the ice ages have been coming in a regular pattern every hundred thousand years or so for the last several million, I believe and there's a 10,000 year roughly 10,000 year interglacial period where the glaciers retreat the temperature warms up the forests regenerate in the areas where the glaciers had wiped out everything <clears throat> and and uh, you know ocean currents return to previous patterns and shit's really nice for a while for about 10,000 years and then the next glacial period comes and everything gets ground down to dust again and the planetary systems change and so on and so forth. So our species, Homo sapiens has been around for about 300,000 years. So we've seen this come and go, but civilization has only been around for a few thousand years in this interglacial period. And so what we're taking as baseline, normal global condition is not it's not normal it's not baseline it's not stable so it's kind of like the political thing where it's like okay we're fucking up the planet's delicate balanced um atmosphere climate patterns but then you step back and you say ah that's a false premise those delicate balanced climate patterns are not in fact delicate and well they are delicate but they're not balanced this baseline premise this assumption upon which my panic is based is false so applied to politics it's like we're going to lose democracy in america yeah but did we ever have democracy is this really democracy More people wanted Bernie than Biden, but Bernie got fucked by the Democratic Party twice so that people weren't allowed to vote for him because the powers that be did not want that fucker in the White House. And so they set it up to make sure he would not get in the White House with Obama's help, by the way. That's democracy? I don't think so. Only two choices? Why do we only get two choices? Well, because of the party system, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, because the parties squash anybody and anything that tries to challenge them. Any third party attempt gets totally squashed with the compliance and cooperation of the media, of course, which are owned by the same companies that own the political parties. So, yes, it freaks me out what's happening in American politics. But also, if you step back a little bit, what we're losing, what I'm freaked out about losing I'm not really sure I ever had it. Welcome to the podcast. This week's episode is with Alison Pillow, who is a good friend of mine. I've known her for years. And she also happens to be the mother of Murphy, who was the last episode. So, you know, she's a good mom because Murphy is an awesome kid. Allison wrote a book recently, um, Called Finally Thriving. And Allison's a a personal coach. She was a gymnast for years, like right through college. And then she studied um, health from various different angles, uh, physiology, um, diet, and all sorts of stuff. And she's finally put all this knowledge together in a book. Uh, And I think you'll find it quite interesting. There are links, of course, on the Substack page. Speaking of Substack page, here's some things you missed. If you don't go to Substack, I just started every month. I do an open, uh, what's it called? An open thread, uh, just for people who, um, are paying subscribers on Substack where they can talk to each other and arrange, you know, meet and all that kind of stuff. I just posted it yesterday. I made a note here somewhere. Where's my note? There are already 45 people talking in less than 24 hours, 45 different comments. People are, so it's a pretty thriving place. Sometimes I open it up for everyone, but generally it's a feature for paying subscribers. It's five bucks a month to be a paying subscriber. Uh, That's like basically a latte uh, per month. Um, But there's also a lot of stuff, a lot of free posts, probably more than half, two thirds of what I post on there is for free. Um, so there's stuff about movies I've been watching recently. There's stuff about, um, you know, just thoughts, conversations I've had, uh, things that bother me, things that perplex me. Uh, and I'm also moving my sort of social media presence away from Instagram and Twitter and setting it up on Substack because I'm trying to cleanse my mind of social media as much as I can. So uh, if you follow me on either of those platforms, it's probably a good idea to sign up on Substack. And as I said, you can do it for free. You don't have to pay. You get the juicy shit if you pay, but there's still good. There's plenty of juice for everybody. Um, okay. I also wanted to mention I was on Tal Ruspoli's podcast recently. You can see that on YouTube. It's called Being in the World. Uh, Tal's an old buddy of mine. We've known each other a long time. He's been on this podcast a bunch of times, his mom's been on this podcast. Uh, so I was on his podcast. We talked about astrology. I told a story about my first time in Vegas when I was invited to speak at a swingers convention. We talk about ambition. Uh, and uh, he also asked me, there were there's a lot of discussion about why I write and what motivates me to write. And I guess that was in the context of ambition and my lack thereof. And then it's like, well, then why the hell do you write books? And good question. Another thing that's coming on Substack is it looks like we're going to move forward with this house project, this this lifeboat project in Crestone. Um, and um, essentially, I've talked about it before, but the idea is to we've got a five acre piece of land, and the idea is to build a central hub. Uh, where there's going to be like a really nice kitchen and a fireplace and you know showers and a big bath and you know super comfortable kind of gathering central gathering place and then there will be little satellite cabins that we'll build around the property so when people come and stay there friends you know someone's going through a divorce they need a place to just chill for a while or someone's working on a book or someone's writing some music or whatever just friends coming and hanging out. We're going to have areas, uh, where you can just sort of park a van and plug in and, um, and we'll have these little cabins. But when you want to take a shower, when you want to come hang out, you come to the main area. And when you want to be alone, you stay in the other area. So I'm going to be posting some of that stuff on Substack, including design ideas and, uh, and so on. So if you want to just watch what's going on or, or get involved, if you're, a, you know, you're an architect or you're a builder or you're a, a carpenter or whatever and you want to you know, give some advice, make some comments on what we're doing, or even, who knows, come to come to Crestone and swing a hammer for a while, um, you'd be most welcome. Uh, and that's where you'll find that information. chrisryant.substack.com. All right. What else? I've got some notes here. I'm crossing things off. Right. Last night I watched the documentary about John McEnroe. Uh, I think it was on HBO. This uh, Airbnb we're in has HBO. So I'm catching up on some stuff. Really interesting. Really well done. Uh, Very creative documentary, the way it was designed, both visually and conceptually. It's like He's talking about his life and it's, it's like he's walking the streets of New York at night and reminiscing. Um, he's a really interesting guy. Very smart. And of course, if you're my age or anywhere near my age, you kind of grew up watching him. He was, he was kind of like a whiny white Muhammad Ali in some ways. He was outspoken. He didn't give a shit. He was real badass in his own kind of way. But then, of course, he had these temper tantrums, which sort of undermined that uh, badassery because nobody likes a whiner, right? Um, But you have to give it up to him. He was a genius, a tennis genius. and, uh, And he was just incredibly talented. He was almost cursed by how talented he was. Um, Anyway, so that was really interesting. Another thing I post on Substack is a series called What's On My Mind or Voices In My Head or something like that. And that's just a listing of cool videos I've seen recently on YouTube, um, articles I've read that seem worth spreading around and telling you about, music I'm into, whatever it is. Um, So that's another thing that's on Substack that you won't get just on the podcast or at least not as much of it. All right. Thank you. I have talked enough. It's almost 20 minutes. I'm going to leave you um, with music like you've never heard on this podcast. Actually, you have heard it, but it was sampled. A few episodes back, I played some music by the KLF, uh, which I I love that, to KLF Chill Out. Um, It's this sort of layered listening to the radio late at night and all sorts of train sounds and music bleeding in and a guy, a preacher, like you're going to be so rich. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, late night preacher on the radio. Anyway, uh, one of the pieces of music that is haunting and it's called the KLF song is called like, it's something like uh heard on the radio a song I heard on the radio long ago or something like that. And I never knew what the music was. I never knew what the original song was. And someone who listens to the podcast wrote in uh in the comments to that episode and they uh they said what the song was. And they talked about growing up listening to it and I think Like they were really into um, jazz, jazz saxophone or trumpet. I I forget what what exactly they were talking about, but you can find it in the comments to that episode on Substack. Anyway, the song is called Stranger on the Shore. And uh, I found it, or maybe that guy sent it to me. I don't remember, um, but I'm going to play it now. It's haunting, beautiful, beautiful piece of music. Stranger on the Shore. Thanks for listening to this podcast as as discombobulated and crazy and weird and unorganized as it sometimes is. Hopefully, it'll be getting more organized and more regular when I'm actually living in a house and can have some sort of a routine. But if you've been listening for any length of time, you know that uh, that's more an aspiration than an intention on my part. Anyway, sending out lots of love to you all. Hope you're doing well. If you want to send me an intro, try to keep it under a minute or so. Let us know what you're up to, who you are, and uh, (laughs) yeah, tell us who you are in under a minute. Um, Yeah, a little something about what's going on in your life. That's always cool to hear. And I know the other uh, listeners love to hear that as well. So you can send that to me at uh, thatchrisryan at gmail.com. Just put uh, intro in the subject line so I know what it is. Thank you. Sending lots of love to everybody. Talk soon. In the living room, the Portland, Oregon living room of Allison Pelot. You know, this is the Pelot show. <laughs> That's right. I was talking with Liam this morning uh, and he, he started talking about the guy he gave his kidney to. And I was like, Jesus Christ, I got to do a podcast with you too. You know, and Wilson's got this amazing story. And it's like, you guys are all too interesting. <laughs> so yesterday I recorded the podcast with your son, Murphy which will probably come out before this one. So uh, Allison is Murphy's mother. And you guys, you and Liam, we did a podcast a while a back. A long time ago. Of the two yeah. of you. I don't know what number that is offhand, but check the archives. Um, and you'll hear some amazing stories from Allison and Liam. Uh, so we're here today to talk about uh, primarily about uh, your book, right?
2: Yes. Which I've, is called What? Finally Thriving. <laughs>
3: finally Thriving. I think every book should begin with the word finally because by the time it comes out, you're like, fucking finally. Exactly. <laughs> finally published.
2: Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> that yeah. Be the name of you my totally book. got that. You nailed it. Yeah, that was it. It's
3: a long process and it's mm-hmm. a hard process. Yeah, it is. And this I- is the first book you've written.
2: It's the first book I've written, yes. And it was, you know, I've got a lot of people that ask me, oh, was it really hard? Was it it really a hard process to go through and all these things, arduous process? And I was like, no, it was actually pretty joyful because I opened myself up to learning something new. I was Mm. totally a newbie at this, so... I decided I was gonna get real curious and not worry about making mistakes and just dive in and see what I can learn about myself from all this. And so it ended up being a lot of fun.
3: Hmm. That's the right approach to take. Yeah. So, but the book, the material of the book is stuff that you've been working with for years.
2: Yes, I've been been doing this work for almost 20 years now. And I was a, a gymnast before that, so I was an athlete. So I've been in the physical realm for quite some time, studying that with holistic health and fitness and uh, corrective exercise and all this stuff with Paul Check, I started out with him. um, And, you know, I over the years, I've gathered so much information and worked with a lot of people and had different experiences with clients to where I thought, I needed to share this information and not keep holding it inside because that, you know, I've been working one-on-one with people for years and I just wanted to bring it out to a bigger audience so I could share that information because I'd seen so many things uh, through the pandemic where uh, I just saw a lot of health information that wasn't correct in my opinion. And I wanted to give people some alternative ideas on how they could really be empowered in their health and really go outside the box of what we've been taught about fitness and nutrition. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the way I have it in the book is it's broken up into three phases. The first one is the align your mind phase. The second is the connect with your body And then the third is uh, listen to your spirit. And I think those are all very important aspects of health because it's looking at it from a holistic perspective, not just the physical, which is important. We want to look at our food. We want to look at our fitness. But so many people I was seeing were stopping at that point and just obsessing over like things that didn't really matter that much, Mm -hmm. you know. Like carbs or protein or what's the right macronutrients and they didn't get further than that. And I thought, well, it goes beyond that because it's about your emotional well-being. It's about your uh, perspective on your spiritual self, too. And really diving into the subconscious and seeing what's running the show there. So I saw so many people that were still in survival mode, even after they had learned the basic foundational aspects of wellness, they were still stuck in survival mode because they weren't dealing with the deeper aspects of themselves and really trying to heal those parts to become more uh, self-assured, kind of know themselves to a point where they could uh, make good choices, make good decisions in life and, you know, live in harmony with other people. So. (laughs) Well,
3: that's really interesting the way you break it down. And I think that's a problem with, a. I mean, there's so many health books out, right? I mean, it's probably the biggest publishing sector in terms of volume, but it feels like they either go the sort of spiritual, you know you got to meditate and you know take walks in the woods and all that kind of thing, or it's like count your carbs, they are good carbs, they are bad carbs, there's this, there's that, the science says this, then that it, and it's it it's hard to integrate those two, right? because it's sort of a mechanistic view or a real woo-woo kind of yeah your body almost doesn't matter view. Right. But the truth is obviously somewhere in between or including both of those. Did you find it difficult to integrate those in the book or?
2: Yeah, it was probably the biggest challenge because huh. no one no one writes books like that because, uh, you know, we're all taught to from a marketing perspective to really mm-hmm. hone in on your on uh, one particular skill or one particular perspective. um And 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 my view that just isn't honoring people because um, that's life. There's so much more than one way to go about your health, and I wanted to share that. And and like you said, it's it it, the industry itself was was separating between spirituality and uh, and the the foundational aspects of health when it came to the physical body. They're one and the same, and I just wanted to demonstrate that in the book um, by giving people opportunities to reflect on their own life without telling them exactly what to do. Because in my industry, you know, you become an expert when you tell people what to do Mm. and uh, then people follow that and it may or may not work. But um, what I wanted to do was help people with um, a way to come to those conclusions on their own, because I don't really know. I had to be honest with myself. I don't really know what's good for you. You don't Especially know what's good a for book.
3: me. I mean, you do a lot of personal coaching. Yeah. Where you can really get into the, the specifics of that person's life.
2: Exactly. But when you're
3: writing a book, that's for a general audience, and you, you don't have that access. Right. So it's a different kind of information you can provide.
2: Exactly. It's more a
3: tool than a remedy, right? It's yeah. like, here's how to think about your situation. Did you personally... You mentioned you were in, into gymnastics, so that's when you were a kid. Was yeah, that? from the age of,
2: I started competing at six, and then I uh, went until twenty one in college, and I had a college scholarship, and mm-hmm. uh, and that was I did that most of my life. It was kind of like my job. It, it became my job after a while, and. Then, uh, as I became an adult, I I just I wanted to do things that were more fun because I felt like I'd been working already. You know, what, most of my what life.
3: What events were you into?
2: Uh, I did all four events: the beam, the balance beam, the floor exercise, the uh, uneven parallel bars, and the
3: vault. Uh, yeah. Balance so. beam. Every time I've seen that, I, it just. It looks horrible. Because <laughs> I think about all the times people have fallen off and hit their head and hit yeah. their elbow and hit their ankle and their knee. And it's like, it just looks like pain.
2: It can be. I've I've definitely split the beam a few times, oh, and it was. Oh, split the beam. Yeah, it if was. You
3: don't want to split the beam. No,
2: no, no. That's why men don't do it because yeah. you know that would be detrimental. You
3: split the beam once, you're done. Yeah, pretty much. On the other hand, the uneven parallel bars looks like a blast. Now, yeah. It, is it? I mean, all it's, that spinning around and
2: shit. Yeah. It the the when you, when you spin around, which is called a giant around the, you're on the high bar and you, you go all the way around in a handstand. That was probably the scariest move for me to learn. And, um, but once you get that, it's, then it, then it's easy, not easy, but then you can just build on that. But that's one of the big moves to work on. And, Um, And it's the scariest because you're kind of coming under the bar and you don't know if you're going to slip off at first, you know, underneath. And um, but then you learn the technique to go around and it is really fun. But, um, you know, you do have to face a lot of fears in gymnastics, because if you're not really very focused in your mind, then you will probably get hurt, you know, if you start, like, getting distracted or thinking Mm. about other things in the middle of a flip or something, and I'd certainly done that a few times and learned, like, I don't, I need to get focused, and so that led me to, uh, intuitively, to a visualization practice in gymnastics, and I started doing that at a young age, and it really helped, you Mm. know, start to visualize myself doing it Correctly over and over again because it, you can really psych yourself out. Like that whole thing that Simone Biles went through in the Olympics, you know, I was like, that is a real thing. You can get to a place in your mind where you're thinking of how you could fall or all the negative aspects or get hurt over and over again. And it can really trip you up, even though you've done this move a million times. So uh, we can apply that to everything in our life, really. And so that's what I thought with the book. I could, you know, show people it's not just about athletics. You can use uh, a visualization practice and many of other tools that I share in the book um, of self reflection to really question, like, okay, am I really serving myself by, you know, being in this? Do I even know I'm in a negative feedback loop right now with my life? You know,
3: right? Well, that's what I wanted to ask you. That's why I mentioned the gymnastics. Like, was there or have there been moments that you now look back on and say? You know, that was a spiritual crisis that was manifesting in my body in some way.
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, most of my injuries were spiritual crises, you know, I mean, mm. I think uh, and the more and more I've learned through the years, um, a lot of things that manifest as disease or injury in the body or just wake up calls for us to pay attention to what's going on at a higher level within ourself, mm. uh, either what we're not paying attention to on a spiritual level, like, for example, what your soul really wants you to do if you're ignoring uh, the call there. Uh, then you're going to eventually get there, but it might be harder, but a harder journey, you know, because you might get hurt on the way or, you, you know, because there's just signs that are really calling to you to pay attention to reroute where you're going with it. And, and that's how I look at it. You and know? how
3: do you know when it's the voice of your soul versus the voice of laziness or competitiveness or ambition or, yeah, because there are a lot of false voices
2: that's a great question, and that's what I've been answering for people with the book and also uh, with the group I've been coaching, uh, and it really comes down to getting – it takes time to – work on a level of discernment to figure out, okay, is this coming from my ego? Have I not met these needs for myself as an adult that I wasn't getting met when I was a kid, you know? Mm -hmm. So it does take self-reflection and exploration into that. It's a journey of self. To um, become aware of those things, and once you can become aware of your needs that need to be met, and you're meeting those needs as an adult. So, in other way, in other words, you're parenting yourself.
1: Right.
2: You're learning how to do what your parents role modeled for you. Either well, either they did a good job or they didn't. Either way, you still have to learn how to parent yourself. So, um, it's it's seeing that you know, and connecting with what I call your inner child, which is really and it's a less abstract way of describing your subconscious, right? Mm. So, and it's a good, it's also a way for people to have compassion, more compassion for themselves if they think about their subconscious as their inner children. So, uh, we can go back to places in our life where uh, where we weren't getting our needs met or we had some kind of traumatic event that changed our perspective. And uh, without really diving into the pain of the moment or revisiting that, you can just uh, acknowledge and, and meet those needs of that inner child in that moment. And then that really heals yourself that you then you can heal yourself to move on with that and, and not be having this this story or this narrative or this perspective running in the background. You can come into adulthood and say, OK, well, I've met that need for myself now. Now I can. Uh, now I can be, feel you know like taken care of, supported, you know, because mo- most of our most of our adulthood, the anxiety comes from not feeling support, not feeling safe, not feeling secure, right? And I've heard that from so many people. And so, uh, really acknowledging your inner child uh, and giving it the love it needs, which is really giving yourself the love it you need, is is the first step in that. And then beyond that. You know, we're really getting clear. I just made I just talked about this the other day. Um, We're getting clear on our intentions in life. We're taking responsibility and accountability for our purpose with everything we do and every people, every person we come across. Then we're. Really, getting clear on our values—what matters most to us, you know—and it's an individual thing because we do have values within our family system. We have values within society, with our friends, our you know our community, and all those things. But we get those a little muddled and mixed up between our own personal values. So you want to make sure you're clear on what matters most to you as an individual. Even if it's even if you have a spouse or a partner, you need to get clear on that between. You know, you have I have different needs than Liam and he has our different uh, you know, values than Liam and he has different values than I do. But we also come together and have common values. So just be, have being discerning about that as well. And then in order to listen, be able to listen to your soul is you have to also be discerning about um, your wants versus your desires. So wants are sometimes what society can project onto you as wants or what friends or family can do, can do that too as well. And, uh, so, you know, the deciding factor within uh, that, that uh, between your desire would be, okay, if I got w- w- if you get what you want, are you satisfied? Does it fulfill mm. a need within you? If it doesn't, if it feels empty, that might've just been a want that was projected onto you that you thought you wanted. Right. So that's but it, the
3: voice of society. Or exactly. Or whatever. Whatever.
2: But the, the, you know, the desire is a deeper aspect of you. So if I use the example of being seen and heard. So if you have a deep desire of being seen and heard, well, you may take the steps to, uh, you know, kind of uh, invest in your self-worth more uh, and and uh do some more self-development in order to get to that place where you can feel comfortable and safe being seen and heard and learn then how to express yourself healthily you know and so it's that creative process of um really honing into how we want to express ourselves in any given moment is what is going to also uh really fulfill those deeper desires within us you know because it's all about that connection
3: that's interesting that distinction between wants and desires when you first said it I thought well no they're the same thing but now I see what you're I see the the way you're distinguishing them so if I'm understanding correctly a want like you use the want or desire to be seen and heard so someone responding on the want level might You know, post a bunch of provocative photos on Instagram because they want to get lots of likes and feel seen and heard. But that's like the junk food version of what you need. It's empty calories as opposed to signing up for an improv class and studying theater and getting to know other people and. Like having that weekly experience for two hours where you're on stage with people and you're working, that would be more of a desire. Because I think this is yes. really important, right? Because people are people are listening to this and saying, okay, you're saying that this information of what I need is available to me, but there's a cacophony of voices screaming at me, telling me I need beer, I need ice cream, I need a new truck. I need a bigger house, I need bigger tits, I need, you know, bigger biceps. How do I know how do I distinguish the voice of truth from the voice of bullshit? And it sounds like you're you're getting at that with this want versus desire thing. Mm-hmm. Like if I understand correctly, desire is a healthy, legitimate request from your mind, body, soul.
2: Yeah, that's what that's how I see it. And uh it is your your soul talking to you. It, you know, desires can even start from when we were a child like that, whatever you were drawn to, whatever was you were really interested in learning more about that could be a desire that you you bring into your adulthood. But maybe some of us. Stop paying attention to that because we became adults and then we're supposed to.
3: Yeah,
2: exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
3: I I had to let go of the dinosaur desire.
2: (laughs) Right. And that's and that's something that translated into now what you're doing now with with, uh, you know, you're you're, you love history. You love, uh, you know. Looking back on kind of where we came from and and all of that, right. and so it right. that's how it translates. And so, uh, you know, the I have a chapter in my book called "Get Intimate with Yourself," oh, and yeah. it's about really knowing yourself enough to expose yourself to other people um, and being comfortable with that enough to to do that. You know, because when you expose your vulnerability and you just uh, and you're so comfortable with yourself that you can be yourself with anybody. You don't have to hide yourself. Um, then that is really, um, that is a beautiful thing. I mean, it's, it's like you said, It that's truly meeting a desire because you really don't have to do anything when you're yourself. Right. There's nothing that, there's no nothing we need to compensate for or try to figure out when we're just being
3: ourselves do you think that's i mean we're we're going off into the weeds here, but do you think that's like the the base like most basic most central desire that we all have, which is the freedom to be exactly who and what we are, and to be accepted and loved for that, right? Isn't that what every two-year-old is looking for?
2: Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, you want that from your parents first, right? Right. And if we didn't get it from our parents, and we keep trying to do it as adults, and so, like, you, the the example with social media was fantastic because um, that's a that's a great example of people trying to get approval from others. Like, am right. I good enough? Right. Like, are you going to accept me? And they do all these things. And, you know, I would I would include myself in, in that. And <clears throat> just about everything, we all do things to be accepted. We want to fit in with the group and all that. And we want, you know, to get validated. Um, but what we don't understand is oftentimes many people really you the qualities that you're trying to hide are the qualities that people really love about you, but you're not showing them that. So Right.
3: Well and also the the way social media co ops that you know that healthy desire to be part of a group, to be valued by people you care about, and turns it into this seeking approval from strangers thing yeah it's just so fucked up
2: it it is it really is
3: and there's no way to win at that right like no. I've got 40,000 followers on Instagram. Do I feel happier than someone who has 20,000 followers? No. it, it hasn't. Right. Who gives a shit? It doesn't matter. It's all illusion. It's all... I know. I don't know why people <clears throat> follow me. I just did a thing on Instagram where I literally, I was like, I don't know why you follow me on Instagram. I have no idea. Yeah. Like I post some fucking vacation photos and half-baked political right. rants and like... Is anyone getting value out of that? Like, why do people follow other people?
2: Yeah, I, I think it's a it's it might be a uh, a desire to connect with people. And this is maybe the only way people feel like they can do that now, you know, mm. in some sense, like this is where we're being directed, you know,
1: right.
2: uh, instead of person to person like I I, I couldn't it, it's it's there's no way you can connect with 40,000 people like on an intimate level or you know like we would before you know like in the 80s you would have a certain amount of people and that right. was it but and now they
3: were real people you yeah knew them and yeah saw them when they were sick and when they broke up with their girlfriend and yeah now it's all just like me at my best exactly Here, here's me from well, this angle and here's me from that angle
2: yeah and and you know it, it's again it's like okay If that's something that you're doing as a creative outlet, cool. But if you're really attaching to that as like, this is how I want. I want to control everybody's experiences of how they see me. um, Then that's a problem because, you know, uh, I think we can't control anybody's experience of us. You know, you have to kind of let that go and let everybody experience you the way they they would like i mean they're gonna project their own stuff onto that and onto you but that's just something that happens so that's not anything we can control anyway so
3: and it subverts that goal of being accepted for what you are
2: exactly if
3: you're not being what you are no one can accept you for what you are yeah and so you're going to feel unloved no matter how many people say they love you because you know they don't know me
2: Exactly. She says
3: she loves me, but she—I've never really let her see who I am. Right. So that's meaningless. Exactly. That's, again, empty calories. Yeah. So, so you said the book's broken up into three things, three sections. What was it? Listening. Was it listening yeah. to or listening aligning to your spirit?
2: With? Yeah, aligning your mind, align your mind, and then connect with your body, and then it's uh, listen to your spirit. So. I take it through those three, everybody through those three phases because I felt like, um, often, well, especially after the past couple of years, we're getting so much information and it's, it's hard for people to really discern between what information is right for them and what's not Mm -hmm. because you don't have to take it all in. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, um, but we're being inundated with so much that we more than our brains can even handle at this point. So what I thought would be most helpful in the very beginning was to help people really train their mind. Cause it, your mind is just like, you know, it's a part of, you know, your. are it's just like your body needs to be trained your mind needs to be trained too so that you can train your focus on what you want to create more of and you you certainly don't have to include everything that comes across that you uh, that comes into your um, in your focus you don't need to include that in your life we can choose to uh, focus on what we'd like to you know because oftentimes people think, well, I've got to watch the news because I need to stay in touch with what's happening in the world. But oftentimes news is filled with so much fear-based uh, information that, you know, many times it's it's not great for people's health, their mental health or their physical health, because it's yeah. putting a lot of stress on on the person. And, and you know, um, news outlets have an agenda, too, so it's good to be, you know, very choosy with where you get your news but you know if it's creating stress in your in your body and your mind then like you don't need it just take it away and just see how that feels to not have that even social media too. take a social media break but uh, aligning the mind I think is important because we have yet to realize uh, I mean people have talked about it before but people actually don't do it we know the information we know we're supposed to you know, think of and focus on things we want to create more of, and that'll give us more of that. You know, that's been talked about forever in spirituality and, you know, with the whole uh, mindfulness generation of speakers out there, but yet people aren't doing it. Mm. So it's, I thought, you know, I could give people a way to work in these very small, simple practices of awareness, self-reflection, and, you know, And literally like practicing it in their day, like doable steps where they can start to integrate it very easily. Because a lot of this stuff, and especially spirituality, it's really not that complicated, you know. Uh, But spirituality makes it seem that way. And it makes it seem sexy too now. We're getting into a place of spirituality where it's like this this whole movement. It's like you have to look a certain way or, you know. It has to has to come in a certain package, you know, mm. to be super spiritual. But it's right. your spirituality could just be you just going throughout your day, noticing right. more about your life, you know.
3: What's that book? Uh, Chop wood, carry water. You ever? Read oh that? yeah,
2: yeah. I yeah. love that
3: book because it's, it's basically that. It's like. Ye- to, you know to pursue your spirituality all you need to do is pay attention to what you're doing
2: exactly and it doesn't
3: need to be complicated right. chop wood carry water if you do that with mindfulness yes you're meditating exactly basically.
2: yeah i mean it's that's that can take the place of medi- that is a meditation that is a meditation yeah. well yeah. once you
3: get to a, a certain level it's what you were saying earlier like when you're tumbling and you know, you start thinking about something in the middle of a flip, you're going to get hurt.
2: Yes. Right? So that's
3: training your mind to focus on this particular moment. Isn't it interesting how all the spiritual practices that I'm aware of all over the world, they're all about bringing awareness to this moment.
2: Absolutely. Right? Whether you're
3: bowing toward Mecca or you're on your knees saying, you know, Hail Mary or whatever the fuck the thing is. It's all about chanting, singing, kneeling, physical positions. It's all about pay attention to this moment right now. Yes. And all the animals are doing that all the time, except us. Yes. We're the only ones who are thinking about the future and the past and hypotheticals and imagining fights and imagining problems and getting all stressed out. And all these spiritual traditions are basically antidotes to consciousness
2: yeah absolutely and you know
3: what a fucked up species (laughs) we are
2: (laughs) well you know in my opinion thinking about the past and the future is is a form of suffering because you're 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 not enjoying the moment like if you can't enjoy where you are right now and be truly present with it then you are not going to be able to enjoy your life you know like I, i you're you're going to be wasting it, thinking about so many things that really don't matter in that moment. Worrying about
3: things that end up not happening. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And so that's why I help people with, uh, you know, just looking at like, okay, let's see where, where does your mind go first? Does it go to the negative? Does it go to the positive? Let's see where you are with that. Assess it. And then, then, okay, well, what are you saying to yourself every day? 90% of the time, are you criticizing yourself? Are you judging yourself and others? Or are you thinking about, you know, uh, more optimistic things and, and loving yourself and loving other people? That's important to pay attention to because what you're thinking is what you are creating. You know, it's like uh, one of my teachers said, your vision board uh, is, it, you know, is literally being created with your thoughts. So you wouldn't put anything on your vision board that you did not want to create or didn't want. But yet we think about these things that we don't want all the time. Yeah. And well, it's
3: it's like what you were saying about news, right? It's mm-hmm. it it's it's the same theme over and over. It's attract attention. You know, whether we're talking about social media or we're talking about <clears throat> industrial food production. Yeah. Right? Or we're talking about news or we're talking about books. I mean, it seems like everything is about capturing attention and the best way to do that is to trigger stress
2: yeah i mean yeah everybody wants your attention that's the new uh currency yeah, is attention yeah. yeah
3: attention economy
2: and when we can re- realize that don't just give your attention away to anybody anything be very selective with
3: it there's a lot of tension in attention
2: i know uh, right it, uh, there you go how about That you got the word magic thing uh, going I'm, on i there.
3: should be a southern preacher <laughs> exactly
2: Yeah, but like I liked what you were saying about earlier, uh, going back to uh, people chanting and uh, you know, those being traditional ways of connecting with your spirituality. That's very true because what that does is it clears the mind, you know, it puts you in the present moment. Um, it doesn't allow you really to think about anything else. And that is another reason why I put vocal toning in there is because I use that as a practice. Um, And going back to your question earlier about how do you uh, create this presence with yourself uh, where you're not really where, where you're listening, you're able to hear your soul talk to you. And that would be doing practices like vocal vocal toning. It doesn't have to be a traditional meditation. If you have a hard time meditating, just do some kind of active meditation, you know, and voice work is like the best because. You know, it, number one, it's fun. It gives it gives form to your breath, which is really nice, and it's a way of creatively expressing yourself. So you're really kind of hitting, hit, you know, hitting a lot of birds with one stone there. Uh, what is
3: vocal toning? So like, yeah, that yeah, it can
2: be. The, there's a lot of different ways you can do it. There's a really great book called "The Voice of Alchemy" by Stuart Pierce, and this is where I started learning about uh, the different vocal tones you can use he he says start out with just your basic vowel sounds so i'll do like um like an er for the lower chakra and i think of you know i, I
3: that sounded like an r
2: like earth like
3: oh er, yeah er, 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 yeah, right, yeah. Okay.
2: and then you do uh, uh ooh for the stomach area oh for the uh the uh rib cage area and then for the heart, it would be um, ah, and then throat would be i, mm. so it gets a little higher. And then you go the uh, between the eyes would be a, and then i, uh, sorry e for the very mm. crown chakras. It's get, it gets gets a little higher each time. Mm. And the way I use my voice now is I can now play around with different ranges within that vote uh, that vowel or the uh, letter and. Um, or the sound, and then uh, I can, for example, the uh, I can go, uh, you know, to kind of bring it up and down, nice. and then I can also feel the energy in my body as I do that. Really? So it teaches you how to how to feel energy in your body, how to direct the energy in your body, and then. Um, then also anything that really puts you into your body and, and, and ground you that way is also going to help you hear your own inner voice. Because mm. we, again, we, we hear all these voices all the time, right, coming at us. And um, you, you really, it is important for you to learn what your energy feels like and what your own voice sounds like. So you do that through practicing being present with yourself. And, you, and it's good to do that every day.
3: Do you consider yourself a hippie?
2: You know, I don't really consider myself a hippie, but I talk about a lot of woo woo hippie <laughs> stuff just because I've experienced the magic and most of it. And yeah. it's and it I like to kind of I straddle both worlds, you know, the physical mm-hmm. and the and the energetic and, and so um It's just I want to be like a bridge to bring people into those two worlds and see how they interplay with each other. And that was another reason for the book. I'm like, how am I going to how am I going to like explain or or help people understand these concepts? And uh, and I did the best I can could with the book. And it seemed like people are really resonating. And, you know, it it, they seem to everybody seems to have a different experience with it, which is really cool. Right. But really, I wanted just to give them a reflection back of themselves and so that they could know themselves better Um, instead of telling them who they are, what they should do. I wanted them to explore that on their own. And this is like a guidebook for that. So, um, yeah, and and I just kind of shared a lot of the fun stuff that I do to bring presence back to myself, because through podcasting, I mean, you have to really be a good listener. And that's taught me. A lot about listening yeah Um, and you know and through the years I have I've been able to really build a lot of presence around and it it, it actually translates to me uh, as an expression of true love for the person that I'm sitting with because you know I'm showing interest I'm I'm you know giving them present my presence and attention and I and I feel like that's a form of love too so um, it's a really wonderful thing are to learn. F- are You feeling the love from me? I'm right feeling now? it. I'm feeling right. it. Good. Yeah. Right.
3: I want to make sure.
2: <laughs> Always, Chris. Always. <laughs> I'm feeling it too.
3: Now, um, now I've lost my train of thought.
2: <laughs> you said you called me I, a hippie. I, I, w-
3: I was trying to embarrass you. I embarrass myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh! What's the name of your podcast for people who want to hear more?
2: Yeah, it's called Integrate Yourself, and it, it's
3: Integrate Yourself. Integrate.
2: Yo. Now? Yeah, <laughs> it's
3: like one step away from fuck yourself. do not yeah. you go integrate yourself, motherfucker? Go,
2: uh, yeah. That's not actually how I pictured it, but
3: <laughs> well, I like but it because it's a directive.
2: It is. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like. Yeah, exactly. It is. I never thought about it like that, but that's true. Yeah. It's uh, an invitation for you to learn how to integrate, you know, because like, this is what occurred to me. And this is a bit a popular thing that's going on right now is, you know, all these ayahuasca journeys people are taking and they're doing these opening the big opening ceremonies for their consciousness and they come back they're like okay what do i do with this you know
3: there's no integration no integration and that's all i mean people tell me i've done 200 ayahuasca ceremonies dude you should do five yeah with six months in between each one, thinking about what the fuck happened.
2: Exactly.
1: And how you're yeah. going to bring
3: that into your life structurally. Right. You, nobody needs 200 ayahuasca it's ceremonies. It's too
2: much. It's it, going to blow your mind, literally. Well, I mean, and also,
3: it now you're just bragging. Yeah. Now you've just made it into another fucking bullshit wow. thing that, it's a
2: way of spiritual bypassing i yeah, think and, yeah. and
3: and consumerism mm-hmm. you know my truck's bigger than your truck i've done more ayahuasca i've yeah. got these fucking scars on my arm because i did the toad and uh, american culture can fuck up everything
2: yeah it's true it's just, it just hyper you know hyper energizes everything it's too it's and, and
3: consumer package and it's just like Yeah, I don't know. Well, nobody wants to hear me rant about American culture.
2: Well, I mean, that's just what we do, right? But then we learn, hopefully, that um, you can't really get that outside yourself. It all comes from within. Mm. And that's what I'm teaching people. It may not be the sexiest route to go on, but it is truth. uh, Because you can't really get around Mm. that. You can try to look externally for all the answers as, as much as you can. And many people do. Uh, but it really is—it is a journey to into self and to finding those answers within, because we do have all those
3: into integration. Mm-hmm. So by integrate yourself, <laughs> sorry, you're talking about mind, body, spirit. Yeah, it's mind, body, integrate. Yeah, mind,
2: yeah. body, spirit integration. Right. Absolutely. And I give people all you know perspectives and aspects of uh, how to do that, because there's so many tools. I don't want people to just think. Oh, it's only fitness and nutrition is the only way to get healthy. There's so many other aspects because obviously there's people who do those things and and they do them well, but they still stuff still happens to them. Maybe they get sick or, you know, who knows, but or they don't have really great lives or relationships. So, you know, if you don't have a good relationship, then you know eating well and and exercising perfectly isn't really going to help you've right. got to work on the relation your relationship aspects right. same with finances like if you're doing all those things, but you're not you, you don't have a healthy financial relationship or, or healthy relationship with money, that that's something to work on, you know, and to explore. And that'll be a journey of self as well. So really anything, any way you look at it, um, you know, there's there's an aspect of health and, and wellness and spirituality everywhere we turn. So it's a matter of getting creative with it and starting to think of it as a creative endeavor instead of criticizing ourselves for not knowing what we don't know. We can Mm. go into it with a mindset of, wow, this is going to be really fun. I'm excited to learn something I did not know. And how, how creative is this process? Like this is your life. You are ultimately creating the art that is your life. So, uh, this is what I want to share with people: is it can actually be really fun. And but we've made fitness kind of boring throughout the years, especially <clears throat> with all the boot camp stuff and all the seriousness behind it. You know, it's really. I mean, it's there's a level of accountability and responsibility around it, but beyond that, you should it, there, there should be some kind of joy within it, right? Yeah. And
3: yeah, do you think pe- most people have an oppositional relationship to their body?
2: I do, yeah, yeah. Because you know, um maybe there's a part of themselves that they reject, you know, and uh and then some people really wanna be uh all all energy. They wanna leave the body and be in the mm, etheric realm, you know.
3: Right. Angels.
2: But they don't realize that <clears throat> being in a body is a spiritual experience and your body is uh what you're here to to master, in some sense, because you know you are <clears throat> spending your life clearing the baggage that you accumulated through your 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 lifetime, and then once you can start to do that, like let go of attachments, then you can become a clear channel for anything to flow, like creativity, energy, information. Um, and love. that's beyond what a lot of people know, but yeah, love, exactly. And it's all about love. Uh, and it seems like a cliche, but it really is the, It's more powerful than anything. It's yeah. kind of incredible. Um, but we can only really express love if we have resolved our own issues.
3: I mean, somebody said something to me a while ago. Um, and I looked up the research and they were right. They, they, they were, I think it was on a podcast. I don't remember. They they were talking about research in mice where like they they took mice and they flashed a red light and then shocked the mouse, right? Yes. Flash it, shock. Flash <clears> it, shock. Okay. So the mouse learns when I see that red flash, I'm going to suffer. And... They verified that even just the flash, the mouse, you know, the, the stress response, the adrenaline, all all that happened. Um, and then they took the offspring of those mice who had never seen the red flash. Right. And they flashed. And those offspring had the stress response. Mm-hmm. Even though they'd never seen it, they'd never experienced it, it was passed down through the DNA somehow. Yes. And then they did the offspring of those mice, same thing. Five generations later, they were still stressing out about red flashes. And nobody had seen, nobody had been shocked with a red flash since the great, 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 great grandparents.
2: (laughs) Right, isn't that insane?
3: It's insane. So when you're talking about like, okay, we're trying to clear our trauma and we're dealing with our inner child and the needs that weren't met and so on and so forth, that's all true, but there's more than that. There's stuff we have no idea shit that happened to your grandmother that you don't even know about that is manifesting in your body and and your consciousness in some way.
2: I'm glad you brought that up because that's a, a really wonderful aspect to all of this is that, um, it's, we are clearing ancestral trauma as well. If we're clearing our own trauma and we're breaking the chain or stopping the pattern in our lives, we're ultimately also clearing everything that came before that. And I know that's hard for some people to understand, but, um, on a quantum, if you understand the quantum field and how that works, um, this is what I'm talking about. It's, it's on that level of healing and, uh, and and, you know uh what is it um family constellations therapy this Mm -hmm. is how that works and so if you can you know you by just and that's a you know by what's fascinating about it is by just healing yourself you actually do heal your family lineage you know and you think about like the patterns that have been passed down yes some of us are still playing those out um and that's what I'm talking about with, 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 a self-reflection practice, you start to be, you begin to see those patterns and then you can understand where they come, they come from, you know, and, and, and see how they have been passed down from generation to generation and then realize that you do have the power to end it right there. You don't have to perpetuate
3: it. Even if you don't understand it, right? Exactly. You don't, you don't have to when understand. When you talk it. about quantum field, just for people who are going, what the fuck is she talking about? I My understanding, you're talking about how in the quantum mechanics understanding of the universe, things affect each other that have no physical connection. Exactly. So your great grandmother's experience can affect you, even though you never met your great grandmother. Yeah. I mean, and in this case, there is a physical thing because we can talk about something in genetics, epigenetics, dormant genes that get triggered or whatever there does seem to be some kind of potential mechanistic um, understanding. But, you know, when you were talking, I was thinking, okay, clearing all this ancestral trauma is important for your health and, you know, in your case with your kids so that they're not carrying this weight into the future. But what about people like me who don't have kids? And I, I was thinking to ask you that question, but then as you were talking about the quantum field it's like wait a minute we pass our traumas on to other people that we have no familial dna connection to right absolutely like i you know whatever i'm yelling at some guy because he cuts in front of me in traffic yeah i'm passing my trauma into his field
2: exactly yeah exactly it's all energetic right. so we, we are not taught this is something we aren't taught about. We aren't taught about how energy works and energy does not have any, any limitations like our physical body does. Mm. So we're trained to think in the physical, right? And how everything works in the physical, but we don't understand that there is a whole nother level. And that's what quantum, the quantum field is all about. It's about energy, how energy works. Um, And energy, you know, think about, I mean,
3: Let's you know, when you, neither of us, well, I don't physicists. know if I want to go
2: down the road of like death and everything, but like what I believe is when we die, you know, we do, we do transcend into a different we have our energy still that was in living in the body but then we we move on to a different existence a different realm of reality so that is in the quantum field and but again we're even when we're in a physical body we're still participating in the quantum field we're just in this illusion of being in a body in the physical what we don't realize um, and Joe Dispenza talks he Joe Dispenza is probably the most popular a uh, person that I could mention that would talk, he talks about this very thing, um, about how the physical is malleable because of this, but it's about our beliefs about the physical is what limits the possibility there. Mm. So that's why it's so important to let go of attachments, especially in this day and time, uh, and old belief systems. And that's a part of it too. That's a part of really clearing that energy. Um, but you know, so many people are holding on to old belief systems, old patterns of behavior, because this is what they learn. They feel like, or or maybe it brings a sense of safety and security to their lives, you know, but, um, but by just letting go of old attachments, you can actually open yourself up to so much more and more than you may even realize. So, um
3: it's scary though right yeah and I was thinking about this earlier like you know we live in an age in in American society certainly where the secular has sort of taken over and even even people who a lot of people who would call themselves religious it's not really spiritual like it's these you know it's it's like the religion of abundance And it's all about getting rich And using God's power To sell more right. shit or whatever Like it's not It's not old school Conversing with God Kind of religion mm-hmm. Yeah And I feel like That becomes a problem Because you were talking about um, You know Getting into alignment with your soul Or however you phrase that like, do people really th- believe in soul? You yeah, know what I mean, is I, that even a thing for most people?
2: It's a good. That's a great question. I think more and more people are starting to realize that, but again, our understanding is very limited around that because we've been taught through religion, f- through like a structured system that's very controlled, or um, you know, and or you know, there's or just that that there's nothing at all. Like we're just our bodies and then we die, you know? So, um, it's, I think we are moving into a time where people are starting to understand more about this, but we're not quite there yet.
3: Uh, bouncing back. Is that,
2: I just think that we're, I think in my opinion, consciousness is, is rising. It's raising, however you say that. But, um, it, uh, because we are... Okay, so I'll go into this a little bit. We'll see.
3: <laughs> You're going to get woo on you here? I'm going
2: to get a little woo-woo, but it is scientific at the same time. So have you heard of uh, the Schumann resonance? No. Not heard. Of, okay. So it's the Earth's frequency, and they've been measuring this, I believe, at Harvard for a while now, and they realized that uh, the resonance with the Earth, the frequency went up quite a bit, and has been going up substantially since 2020. So, um, this is
3: as we've entered the shitstorm,
2: as we've enter- entered, mm. yeah. And so, the reason mm. you see a lot of chaos sometimes in the world is because that's happening, right? So, we are connected to the earth in that way because we have we are electromagnetic mm. with our bodies, so we connect with the earth's frequency just like we connect with our uh, electric our are, are electromagnetic uh, devices but it's a different frequency so the earth's frequency is a is more of what our bodies connect to because we our bodies are, are from nature so as that frequency goes up your body has to adjust to that frequency so
3: it's an electrical frequency or electromagnetic yeah Electromagnet. uh-huh <laughs> i wonder if that's related to like the the electro, is it the electromagnetic poles of the Earth are wobbling more and more, and you know there's there's a lot it's of shifting. weird shit going on.
2: Yeah, yeah, the poles in the Earth are shifting. The poles in our in our energetic body are shifting too. Again, we're very connected in that way, you know? Um, And so we are feeling it in our bodies because um, of that happening. And then you've got the solar flares, if you've heard about that. And that's also a way uh, for us Mm -hmm. to uh, gain more insight, more information uh, during those times. Uh, And so that, does raise consciousness, it raises awareness within people. So you're now you're seeing things from a very different perspective. And I believe that's what the golden age was all about. Um, And we may be heading more towards that. I know it's hard to believe with everything that's happening right now, but you have to have things really shake up your society and get you out of your comfort zone so that you can start um, to use your spiritual muscle in a way. So you know, we, we're being called to really uh, flex our spiritual muscles and uh, go past where we have been before. We're we're getting out of our comfort zone there. So uh, this is, a, in a way, an initiation of sorts for, mm. for our consciousness.
3: So it's like what you were saying earlier about an individual <clears throat> having a health crisis that's a call to pay attention and move to the next Exactly.
2: Level. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly it. So, as a collective, we're we're experiencing this on a mass scale, and we're all experiencing it differently. Mm. And so, everybody's being called to clean out the clutter, so to speak, within your consciousness, Mm. um, so that you can move on to a higher state of being. Is what I believe.
3: Last question: Mm -hmm. Why finally?
2: Yeah, it, this it, it, the title came to me in a coaching session with one of my coaches and uh it was just like, yeah, that's it because we thought we were thriving, right? We we we'd been told, "Oh yeah, if you do all these things, you'll you'll thrive." And thriving was also just a buzzword that I felt like had been overused and really misunderstood. And so I thought I'd redefine it and give people an opportunity to do this um and differentiate it between the survival mode, which I think people have been in for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yes, like I said earlier, you're eating well, you're working out, that's great, you know, but also let's look at your subconscious. Is there, Do you have some stories that are running in the background that are really creating anxiety in your life? If that's the case and it's creating like busyness or, you know, uh, and you know, a lack of presence in your life, then that's something to pay attention to. You're still in a survival mode technically. Mm. So I said, finally thriving because, Hey, you're, we're almost there. We're, you know, you, you can do this and like, you can finally get there because we've been trying this for so long. I feel like, and, um, you know, I just, I just think that the key to the key to thriving is just to, to start learning more about yourself And if everybody could have that self-understanding a self-compassion, um, then we could, and you can truly unconditionally love yourself. It's going to be easier to unconditionally love everybody else. So uh, the way I think about that is like acceptance, compassionate acceptance, you know? So, you know, some, you know, you get to that point sometimes with your parents, you know, they didn't do the greatest job. Sometimes you, there's things you weren't happy about. Uh, Some parents did a better job than others. But at some point, <clears throat> you have to get to a point where you're not rejecting your parents anymore because that's a reject- rejection of self, mm. ultimately, and uh, and then you get to a point of acceptance and compassion for your parents for doing right. the best they could. Right. So that's what you can do. You can apply that to everything and everybody in your life, mm. right? And uh, it's not like I said, it's not an easy thing, but it takes you taking responsibility for your own life and and cleaning out the clutter of your consciousness. Right. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I come back to that a lot. Like, everybody's doing the best they can. Yeah. And sometimes it it's just like, well, that person's doing a really shitty job. But if you get to know them, you see how much weight they're carrying, they are doing the best they can.
2: Yeah. It's the ultimate, <clears throat> the ultimate, like, practice is, you know, just being coming aware of your judgment, right? Mm-hmm. I have had to do that because... I've, you know, I, at one point like started judging because of, you know, of certain things that happened in my life. And I, and I was only doing that because I had been judged, I think. And so it's like, that's not really a good reason to do it. And it doesn't feel good. And I realized that like, it just doesn't really feel good. It's not loving. And so I always catch myself, um, you know, it's not that say that we're not going to be judgmental or we can't, we're never going to judge things any anymore because we have to do that to some extent, but, um, it's, it's an awareness practice of like, just checking in with that, you know, like, is this, where is this coming from? Is
3: this benefiting me? Yeah. To be this judgmental of other people. And what, what is it that I'm trying to distract myself from? Exactly. By focusing on their flaws and their inadequacies. Yeah. Well, this is all really interesting stuff. How, uh, go through your, how people can find you you're yeah trashing social media all right well
2: yes i'm on instagram that's really the only thing uh, that and youtube i have my podcast on youtube as well as um uh spotify and you know any kind of podcast app you can find it on
3: it's called go integrate yourself motherfucker
2: (laughs) right go do it um and uh, What's your Instagram, Instagram is AllisonPelow underscore.
3: P is P-E-L-O-T- O-T.
2: Mm-hmm. That's right. And then finally, thrivingbook.com is where you can find my book. You can find it really on any platform. I have the I have Amazon on there, but if people don't want Amazon, you can get it local bookstores. You could get it all the independent bookstores and, um, really anywhere you can find books. And then I have an audio book as well Uh, that just came out recently. I read it. Oh, That's fun. Yeah. That was a major project. Oh my goodness. I was like, took me out of my, my wheelhouse for sure of skill sets, but, uh, it was really, it was, I'm so glad I did it. It was a great experience. It was a really good learning experience. And so, um I have that also available on any any platform you can find an audiobook on and then my program Finally Thriving program will come out again I'm I'm in the process with a group right now a 12 week course and coaching program and then we'll have another one uh you can sign up for that one in uh late January is when I'll be offering it again so um it's a way for people to integrate aspects of the book and um, so I I just pull out key principles of the book and we go through those together and you have like you know about seven or eight people in the group and and it's a very supportive loving group and we just um, you know get your questions answered we dive deeper into some of these aspects together and the group that I have now has just been amazing they've been learning so much about themselves and, and having amazing insights and um, and really moving forward create, creatively in their life, they now can do that because they're, like I said, cleaning out the clutter of the mm. consciousness. So um, it just allows you, it opens you up to so much more abundance in your life when you can do that because you're not holding on to all this old baggage. So that's been a really yeah. fun, fun experience.
3: And also community is so important. So
2: important. Like, yeah.
3: Like we've been talking about a lot of this as if it's something... <clears throat> that people should go into a room and do alone, right? Like facing your demons and your childhood this and that right. and your trauma. But it's so much easier if you're doing it in a gr- a trusting Absolutely. small intimate group of people where yeah. you cuz you're inspired, right? You see yeah. someone else like dealing with something difficult and that makes it less intimidating for you to deal with it and you see someone else sharing something really intimate and then it's like, Oh fuck, I guess I could say that thing that I've never said out loud before. Is yeah.
2: It, well, circles you know. are very powerful. I mean, you know, you've, uh, what, uh, you know, back in, you know, times where we had tribes and we had, you know, we were, we did those kinds of things and supported each other and, and listened to each other and, um, it, it can be so much more powerful because, again, like people aren't, you aren't getting that kind of support in society, you know, not this unconditional uh, presence and, and love and praise from other people. Um, and especially if you're going through a creative project that you don't want to really uh, make known, you want to keep it sacred for a while before you put it out there. It's a great thing to be in a group where you can mm. talk to people about right. it, you know, and right. it's not always it doesn't always feel safe to just share it with even family sometimes because you'll you may feel like you're going to get judged or something right. so um it, it's nice it's nice to have that i think it, it's going to be probably the way we move forward with our healing from here on out you know yeah.
3: cool well i'll link to all those things if if you're listening to this and you didn't write them down <laughs> <laughs> i'll link to them on my substack page allison pelo p-e-l-o-t
2: Thank you, Chris. This has been a pleasure and an honor.
0: My name's Carsey Blanton. I am an old friend of Chris Ryan's, and I'm excited to play you my song, Smoke Alarm. He said, baby, what's a big deal? Feel what you want to feel. Say what you want to say. For a headstone, I don't want to give the end away, but we're gonna die one day. Your body is an animal, it doesn't ask for much. A little music and a soft touch, why don't you let it out to play? You're gonna die one day Why do we waste our time Thinking about an obligation We'll go down We'll go singing to the smoke alarms We'll dance into the ground